Welcome to the Lifting Your Soul podcast with George and Scott. Carrying on with the Book of Romans. Well, great to have you join us today. Scotty, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. I'm doing well. Uh, it's so good to be with you here Looking again. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello to all the podcast listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us again today for episode two of the Book of Romans. And uh, last week, uh, uh, or last podcast, I should say, we went from Romans 1, verse 1 to 18. Uh, what we're going to do this time is actually, uh, I think we went to verse 19, but we're going to step back and go 18 and 19 again because we had another bit of a read of it and we're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I think one of the things I've mentioned to you, I think it was a couple of days after I was saying that um, I, we actually forgot Romans 17. <laughs> That's right. We did forget. <laughs> we were so excited. How can I forget Romans 17? We're so excited. Oh now, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, what we will do is we will carry on until about that 35-minute mark, 40-minute mark, because uh, we want to keep these podcasts to a particular limit so they're do- digestible on a trip uh, into work or when you're fixing dinner or whatever you're doing. So they're, they're just nice uh, bite-sized pieces, if we could call them that. And uh, going, we're going to go through the book of Romans. We are starting to get requests. We haven't, we're not even finished chapter one of Romans, and we're already getting requests for the end times. Oh, lovely! Dun, dun, dun. I wish I had a. I wish I had a thing for that. <laughs> but it was the. It was the end times. Um, right. <laughs> and so um, we're still getting used to this. We're still getting used yeah, to it. Yeah, right. I'm trying to work out what's what's what. Uh, and so we we will eventually get there. The Book of Revelations, which also incorporates Daniel and Theol, um, Thessalonians and. It's a lot. It's a lot. But mm. um, but we are carrying on with the Book of Romans. And last week we did verses one. Well, you know, like I said, to nineteen, but one to seventeen in 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 effect. And so today, what we'll do is we will carry on from that point. But there needs to be a bit of a recap, not so much of what we spoke about, but a little bit of a a encapsulation. I think you were talking about Scott when we mm. finished last week of what it what the initial. Um, one to seventeen really speaks about, uh, and so um, so. Would you mind speaking to us about that? How, you know, getting yeah, that yeah. context. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we basically started off right from the beginning, as you do, and um, really just trying to suss out why Paul is writing the book, mm-hmm. the book to uh, to the uh, church at Rome. And uh, one of the things that we pointed out uh, that was quite different uh, in the book of Romans as opposed to his other letters. His other letters were to specific churches that had specific problems. And so he was kind of addressing them, um, individually, you know, uh, those local, um, churches. Yes. Um, and then with the book of Romans, one of the things that you see is that he's, he's expounding basically what is the gospel. And that's his whole presentation that we went through last week is that his intention is to go from A to Z on the gospel. Yes. What is the gospel? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's pretty much how we how we kind of ended up. But we yep. did we did like you said we went um, verse eighteen and nineteen, and um, sort of started to to really jump into that. But that's pretty much it. One of the things that um, we mentioned before is that we did uh, forget verse seventeen. I don't know how we did, mm-hmm. but one one of the things it says. Well, I'll, I'll just read it for you because it says in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, quoting Habakkuk two four. And when you ask yourself, for in it, in what? Well, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall yes. live by faith. So yes. very, very important verse uh, and, and pretty much. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought it was okay because we will be um, really getting stuck into that, that uh, you know, the just shall live by faith yes. in, you know, chapter four and chapter five. So it's not so bad, so we don't necessarily have to go over it, but that really is the theme of the gospel, that the righteous yeah, very man good. will live by faith. Yep. And that is the gospel, the good news. Isn't it interesting with the context, uh, something you'd mentioned to me earlier is that what we've sort of done in the modern world, modern Christian world, church world, is we have talked about the, the and an analogy I, I talked to you the other day, I, earlier today, um, the analogy of we talk about Jesus and what he did as the diamond, but we forget that the diamond doesn't look great until you put it, doesn't look as great unless you put it against the backdrop of a black cloth, mm, which is mm. what they do in jewelers. When you go to a jeweler and they say, hey, show me some rings, they put out a beautiful black cloth or it's sitting in a black box, which has got black cloth on it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and they put it in there so you can see the true brilliance of what it is. Yeah. It's almost like we talk about the the incredible salvation that comes through the believing in Jesus Christ yep. and the incredible work of what he did for us. But it doesn't mean much when we don't realize what has he saved us from? Yeah, exactly. What is his salvation for? Yes. And that salvation is for, Scott? Oh, to save us from sin. Yes. To save us from sin. To save us from sin, yeah. right? So, As black as your T-shirt. Uh, absolutely. Wearing a black T-shirt. <laughs> black as night. And so so that's what G- that's the context. The yeah, context exactly. is we are, for those who don't know the Lord, we are sinners. Mm. Mm. We all were sinners and because in, in multiple places, but it says that while we were sinners, the Lord the Lord did exactly, and so so. It's this is what Jesus came to do. Like, understand, we are filthy rags. Basically, we what we have done is sin has deformed the creation of God, the beautiful creation of God called humanity, and and all of creation deformed it absolutely. And that's why he hates it. Yep. And so and, you know, and and it separates us from him. Yeah, I, I often look at it as. Um it's we look at it as our problem, and and inevitably it is. Yes, we've got a big problem. Yes, we're totally unable um, and incapable of saving ourselves. And look, we're going to go into that as you know time progresses. But one of the things that um, I've been trying to explain it to my kids is it's almost like what people don't realize is that because God is a God of love, mm-hmm. God actually had a dilemma. Yes, how does He save us? Yep, right, because He loves us. Um, how can he just rescue us? He can't just forgive because he's totally just, and we'll get into that later. Yep. But the the issue is, is that God had um, had a problem. He needed to rescue us because we couldn't rescue ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so this was his plan. Yes. His plan uh, was the gospel. Yes. And uh, in, before the foundations of, of the earth, absolutely, right? like, in all its detail. Yes, we won't we won't go there right now about the before the foundations of the earth. Yeah. But that's incredible. <laughs> That that statement alone is is massive. But you're right, exactly. He had a plan. Mm. He had a problem, and he and he had a plan for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think I think it's important that we understand that there is this wrong, and and, yeah. and this is why starting from verse eighteen now is almost showing the incredible nature of how horrid sin is. Yeah. Definitely. From verse 18. Yeah, I think from verse 18 um, of chapter 1, um, spilling over to 2 and then chapter 3 as well, mm-hmm. um, we're about to embark on a journey that really shows us our true nature. Yes. And, and, and this is really the start of, of the gospel. Yes. 
Yes, it is. And, and I think that this was one of the points the start that of we the gospel. Uh, dealt with last time we spoke, and, and that's um, this is the A and B of, of the, the gospel. gospel. This yeah. is it. I think it's. I think it's. Let, let's delve into verse eighteen. So <laughs> you know, if the listeners, you know, if you're listening to us right now. Um, Come on this journey, it's going to get dark a little bit at the start Mm -hmm. um, because it is the true nature of what sin has done to humanity and how we behave and who we are as fallen, uh, unredeemed people, Mm. okay, before you accept Jesus, and this is what happens, and hence why there is such an impact on us. So if you don't mind, Scott, would you you mind if I start reading from verse 18? Yeah, go for it, mate. Now, I've got the New Living Translation. Oh, you look at you've changed. Do you want me to change or do you want me to go back to the New Kings, um, to, to the New King James? Only if it helps you in how, you know, perhaps there's something you want to explain through that. No. Well, look, look I'll do the, I'll do the um, NLT. It's got, it's got um, for those who don't know, the NLT is a direct translation of the, tra- of the manuscripts, which not many of the newer ones are. They're translations of translations. The NLT goes back to the manuscripts, just like the New King James Version does. Uh, except that the NLT was written in 1984 as opposed to, you know, uh, whatever. I think 1611 was the King James Version and the New King James was, it might have been 18-something. Yeah. I can't remember, somewhere there. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't yeah, know. Like, not, I don't no. remember numbers very well. Like yeah, that. and so, so, um, so NLT, but here's what it says. It says, verse 18, But God shows his anger or wrath from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Oh, Scott, read, read it from the King James Version. Yeah, King James says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Yes. So the wickedness and unrighteousness, isn't it interesting? Mm. Um, now, now, can I just tell the listeners, there's not every single verse in Romans we're going to go through and expand on. So mm. understand this. We we might miss some because they're just they're, 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 they're fillers. They're taking us on a journey. Uh, but but here are ones where almost every verse we're going to have to sort of delve into because they're big. Yeah, what, it's leading what, us somewhere, what, isn't it, what, really? Yeah, what Paul is saying to the Romans here. So, um, the wrath, so let's go to verse 19. They know the truth. They as in people know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Forever since the the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities or his attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think we need to stop at verse 18, 19, and 20 here. And let's just start unpacking that before we we go into... um, what happened? Like how 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 it keeps going? Mm. Or, or do you want to go to verse twenty three? Because there's a little bit more of what humanity has done here. Well, I think I think all we need to do is perhaps just recapping on where we we left off last time, and that was that um, one of the things that we really want to point out, especially from those first few verses, mm-hmm. and that is is that mankind has willingly suppressed mm. the truth. Yes, willingly denied. God willingly, yeah. It now, okay, let, deliberate let's, choice. Let's because, expand on that because of his unrighteousness. How have we willingly? How has man willingly suppressed the truth? Well, basically, when we read on, we read on that he's we've suppressed the truth by saying God doesn't exist. Yes, yes, yes. And I think we don't believe in God. We've got another alternative. 
Yes. If you, if you like. You know? So this was written approximately 2,000 years ago, maybe a little bit less. Paul's writing to the Romans 2,000 years ago approximately, for a good part of humanity's time, there was a belief in God because the church and the state were one. That doesn't mean every heart believed, but you were the minority if you said there is no such thing as God, whether you're a scientist, whether it doesn't matter. Like even so, science. Like church and state was one. You're probably jumping ahead there. No, what I'm saying is, is in church and state became one. All oh, right. Right. So, so for a good chunk of, of humanity after Jesus, uh, church and state were were closely tied together. And so, you know, um, Constantine, for instance, yeah, makes the whole of his whole of his kingdom Christian. Um, Genghis Khan wants to make his whole of his all Christian, but they don't send ministries out there, so they all became, you know, that Eastern religions, so on and so forth. So there was big, you know, kings were kings were doing religious things. Mm. Uh, and so, but but fast forward to only about 150 years ago, and and science, you know, guys like Galileo and and all these people um, were Christian men, coming up with scientific breakthroughs, incredible belief in God, uh, and then then Darwin comes out with the evolution, the theory of evolution, yeah. the natural selection, um, and for some reason. I've read that. I've read a lot of the excerpts from that book. Uh, he says in there, if one or two of my theories fall over, the whole thing falls over. But we know, if you study it properly, that many of his theories fall over within that book. Yet it seems to have been perpetuated and now just believed like as if it is the norm. Yeah. It is the consensus that evolutionary theory is believed, done, therefore there's no God. Yeah, yeah. We've right. officially written God off. Yeah, and I think that that's just... The same old thing of what you know, the suppressing the truth, suppressing the truth, you know, is is virtually just denying the existence of God because mm -hmm. we read it. You know, God's made it plain, yes, plain as day. Yep. Uh, in in creation, when you look at creation, you know that there's a creator. Yeah, yes. There has to be. You know, you look at a, a painting, you know that there's a painter. You yes. look at a, a watch, you know that there's a watchmaker. Watchmaker. You know, same gotcha. sort of thing. So, the issue is, is that it goes down in you know when we read, it goes down into this idea of. Men suppress the truth, so they deny God, and then they decide to worship other things. Other things, yes. Right? Like yes. The creation. We're, yes, yes. I see so within that as well, yep. within that same bracket, is evolution. Yes. Because we, we're just basically saying, well, we just think that we know. Yes. You know what I mean? It might not be, you know, we worship a, a an animal or a bird or whatever. Well, we're just worshipping ourselves because yeah, now correct. we think that we know. We know. You know? And so, okay, so so it goes on in, then it says, verse 19, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. Mm. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God has made, through all of creation, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, including his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. To this this scripture, Scott, these two verses, I remember reading them and I, and, and I remember saying this in a last, yeah, last podcast. Yeah. When I was young, these two rocked me mm. because- How? How did it rock you? Okay. So growing up in the 80s, I was born in the 70s, growing up in the 80s uh, and then, and then you know, gave my life to God or found G Jesus found me um, or you know, he was revealed to me in 1992, similarly almost to the week, you and I. Same week, a couple yeah. Of weeks, yeah, right. Uh, and so- 
at the age of 18, I'd already heard about the evolutionary theory and the 650 million years of this and these bones are 200 million years old and 65 million years this bird was flying around. And so I'd, I'd already seen all of that and I had pretty much assimilated it into me thinking, Man, where's God in all this? I don't know. And then once God came into my life in that, in that uh, I started to read the Bible and as I was reading the Bible, I'm thinking, What? You can see, and then I, then I, re- you can see God in His creation. Then I realized, you can see. Now I had zero scientific knowledge. Yeah, yeah, zero. Yeah. So it's not like I know now. Now I can give you the articulated, and I will in a minute. Yeah. The articulated reasons of why we see God in creation. Back then I didn't, but I could still tell. Just like it says here, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, and that's what got me. Those words was I looked out and I went, "That's right, the stars, the moon, the universe, and all the limited, all the amount of stuff we knew then." Of the universe in 1992, mm-hmm. which is nowhere near what we know now, mm. and I and I thought, yes, that's that's come from somewhere. That's got to be God. Mm. That's got to be the God of the Bible. Mm. And I couldn't articulate how, so it rocked me to say. And then then the verse of so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So there's no excuse to say God never revealed Himself to me. Yeah, exactly. And I love the way that the Scripture puts it. And even the New Living Translation is quite good there too. It's just that. God has made it clear to them so that they're without excuse. Yes. So what that says is this, and this, this, this is what I think the <laughs> listener needs to understand here. Yeah. One day we will be standing before the Lord in judgment. Those who, or all of us are, and obviously those who, those of us who, who are, Christian. are Christian, like actual true disciples of Jesus, not those who just attend church. So yep. let me make that clear. Those who have given, let's make this clear because I think well, now this is going over the airways. You can't say terms anymore that people you think people understand. Yeah. Christian means a disciple of Jesus Christ, listening to his tenets, giving his giving your heart to him, which means not just saying a prayer one day in a in a in a service or at home, but literally a true conversion change in you. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit. Has, Holy Spirit has come in, has changed you. Yeah, you are 100%. a seal and a guarantee now. Mm. They, that judgment is is gone because Jesus took that. Correct. But the rest of the planet who don't know that are going to be standing before the Lord. Yep. And if we think the excuse. Is you never revealed yourself to me. I was in the middle of yeah. Africa, mm, Timbuktu, wherever, wherever. Yeah. I was in the middle of Sydney, and all I had was all of these people who didn't know you. And I, oh, Chris, the Christians were weird. Yeah, whatever it is, I, I couldn't see you. I couldn't see anything about you. What do you mean? Where were you? I was, I was abused. I had a horrible life. I raised, was raised in the gutter. I don't believe you. Hang on, did you see the sun and the moon every day? Did you see the stars? Did you hear about the universe? Like this generation now has, without excuse, you've got devices in your hand. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Where you can do searches on the universe mm. and get all of the information that's never been available mm. unless until this generation, these last couple of generations. That's a pretty incredibly bold statement, That what we just read there. They have no excuse now. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, George, like it just reminded me what you said then, that our young people... And not even just our young people, anyone yep. these days can can look up uh, scientific stuff. Um, there's a lot of rubbish out there as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, you know. So it, it there's a point in which you have to um, you're without excuse if you're not um, being honest in your searching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yes. you can always gravitate to something because it feels good or you know it suits you know your lifestyle. You yes. know what I mean? So and and I think that we see a lot of that these days. But the without excuse, I think, is 
when you tr- when you're trying to be truly honest mm-hmm. with okay if um, God is a creator where do I find that particular genre <laughs> that's the thing as God is creator yes you know what I mean so so do you mean do you mean if if we are looking at if we are looking at um, going <clears throat> through scientific documentaries reading articles reading books doing all that sort of stuff and and trying to understand uh, what that means if we look at it through the proper eyes yeah I'm just trying to give people let's say we're giving someone who's truly searching the benefit of the doubt yes what I'm saying is is that if you're truly honest you yes. will be able to find it because you are looking in the right place correct okay so if 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 I take if we take what I just said then, Okay, and and we look at it as um, the scientific reasoning, which says to us now that um, that oh look, there is no God, there is no God. Look, look at the science. There's evolution. We look at the universe. We can look back through the redshift lights that come through, so that lights that have travelled have taken thirty. We know the we know the age of the universe is thirteen eight point thirteen point eight billion years um, at minimum, because that's how far as we can see those that light. You're traveling, saying that that's what. Is said by that's the what's being said. Yes, yeah. right. So let me move into a scientific moment. Ahead space, yes, right? Ahead space, because he says mm-hmm. he, he's talking about creation. He's talking about the earth and the sky, basically the universe. Mm-hmm. He's saying that his qualities, eternal power and divine, is is in nature. You can see it in everything that is created. Mm-hmm. What's around us that's create that that is so obviously it's been made. We don't know how it's been made. The universe, mm-hmm. the universe, the sky. The, the 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 complexity of the it. complexity of it yeah, right yeah and so so as I as I look through this I um I had to come to terms in in my life yeah. on why why science so versus God why is God why is science versus God why why is it portrayed to us that it's this yeah yeah I, yeah I know what you're saying Do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah it's like it's put up against each other yes right <clears throat> so 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 this this um this idea that science is versus God is not a Christian theme because when you look into the Bible carefully, science shows God. Evidenced by this verse here. Mm. The world was, since it was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything that is made, his attributes are seen. And clearly seen, yeah. And clearly seen. So it's not like you need to be a scientific genius to see them. Correct. Right? So when you look at, when you go and search the internet, How's the universe made, and you know how does um, Neptune do this, and what? How did the rings of Saturn get created, and why? How big is Jupiter, and what sort of gravitational pull has it got? And uh, you know, I, I encourage you go just go study, just go study those things, but take it from the eyes of trying to understand how this came about, not just here is the theory of evolutionary progress. Yeah, because we've been fed that. And you've heard me, Scott, speak about this many times. Yeah. You know, in particular, in in events where I've you know where I've spoken about it and preached about it um, to to detail. Yep. And it's it's somewhat ludicrous <laughs> when I've read the evolutionary. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. It really is. And, and and one of the things that I was just reminded of, George, was um, a little while ago I was watching um, some sort of documentary on um, that would there were like these scientists who are trying to explain the intricacies of the the head and the neck of a giraffe and it was it was fascinating <laughs> yep. you know like yep. it was honestly it was fascinating because they talked about how 
how the giraffe actually works. You know, with his long neck. Yes. And you know what the happened, blood pressure the and blood pressure yes. and all that sort of stuff. And these were four evolutionary scientists, right? <laughs> and there was one of the evolution evolutionary scientists who was who. who I'm so looking forward to hearing of, this. Isn't yeah, it? three of them were explaining it to this guy, right? And um, the literally the giraffe was on the table. I can't remember what show it was, but I'll never forget it because he turned around and he's looking at this giraffe and he's just fascinated at what they had explained to him. <laughs> and he said, mate, that is a beautiful creation. He said that? He said it's, it's a beautiful creation and they, you, you, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> And then he backtracked, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like, uh, I can't even remember what he yes, said. Yeah. But you, you, oh, by creation, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, the evolutionary yeah, yeah. processes that got it this. It was in. so obvious. And yeah. I think that that's what I mean is yeah. that, like, even these evolutionary scientists look at this and study it yeah. and can't help but give glory to God because, yes, yes it is a it's, creation. It's unbelievable. <laughs> when, you, when you go back, if you remember the last time I spoke about this um, at a church setting and I brought up those molecular machines that are yes. in our cells. Yeah, yeah, yep. 100%. <laughs> no, it's, it seems like no matter how, uh, no, no matter how much f um, we dig into this, no matter how much we dig into creation or no matter how far out wide we go. So whether we go, the further we go out through the cosmos and the more the more we can magnify into an atom or a cell or a molecule, yeah. the more evidence it is for God. 100%. This is the thing that fascinates. So they went into a cell which for 100 and something years, they thought it was just goo. They call it the simple cell. Yes. <laughs> the cells in our body <laughs> were just goo. The simple cell. Then they found that, oh, no, it's got, um, it's got ribosomes. It's got ribosomes in there and it's got the, you know, the energy machine and, and it's got the, oh, wow. Mm. That's it. That's it. The rest of it's goo. They've drilled down more in the last one or two decades, and now they know that this thing called, that which they actually call molecular machinery because it looks like machinery. Please Google. Don't have to take our words for it. Look up molecular machinery and have a look at see at the cells. Like there are literally things with legs that are moving protein molecules around the cell from one. There are, there are other things that look like trucks that are moving dirt away and expelling it outside of the cell. Um, there are particular machinery, and we know this, uh, that actually fold protein in a particular way in order for it to do a particular job. So this protein is going to go heal your skin. This protein is going to go build your muscle fiber. This protein is going to go and you know clear your eyes out. This protein is going to go and fix your hair. Those sort of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The more we dig in, the, the, the funnier yeah, it gets. Absolutely. I, I've, I've heard um, uh, Dr. Chuck Missler. Ah uh, yes. Have you heard of when he talks about the River Rouge plant, the Ford plant? No. Yeah, it's fascinating because okay. he talks about you know we used to call it the simple cell, and like like you were saying that you know as as they begin to find out more and more, yes, they realise that it's far from simple. In fact, the the Ford R River Rouge plant is apparently the the biggest or the largest kind of plant making cars in right. America. Yes, and they put the raw raw oh, material right, yes, in at yeah. one end. And, you know, like I'm talking about car dirt, yes. you know, whatever. All the way down, yeah. And then it spits out a car at the other end, you know. <laughs> so you've got a massive amount of things happening within that place. Yes. But one of the things he said is um, he kind of likens it, you know, like to, to a cell, you know. It's like a whole factory of stuff that's happening. But he said, but this, this, this simple cell, apparently simple cell, has got something over the River Rouge plant um, you know that you know the river rouge plant doesn't have, and and the thing was is that it can re reproduce itself 
within like, I don't know, some stupid amount of time, you know, like a couple of minutes or something. I yeah, don't know yeah, what it is. Yeah. But it can actually reproduce itself. Now the Ford River Rouge plant cannot do that. I mean, yeah. it's and, and, so complex. And the cell is, the cell is miniature, it's, the cell microscopic. Is like, yeah, we can't even see it with our eyes. Exactly. You know, and there's millions of them, little yeah. factories reproducing themselves. And this is the thing about the scientific mind we're going for. So so let me let me expand on some of the things. And I'm saying this, I'm we're, we're sticking to this point. And look, we may only get through two, three verses today. And then, and then next episode will will carry on, because it's important for our listeners to understand that science is not versus God. Science proves the existence of an intelligent designer, and the attributes of that intelligent designer have to be: uh, they live outside of time, they're outside of matter, and they're outside of space. Mm. So they have to be timeless. They have to be immaterial, um, and, and they can't be bound by any um, any spatial. Um, awareness, so to speak. And so they have to have created that. You can't live in something that you create. So a, a human who creates a computer doesn't live in the computer. Mm, mm. Has to be outside of has our to be outside dimension. Of, that, of our dimension. Yeah. Which are the attributes of the God of the Bible. Yep. So when I when I started researching this and reading it, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I was shocked. The more I read, the more I discovered year after year after year of how much science shows God's existence as an intelligent designer. One of the things that got me was in the book of Job. And you can please go read the book of Job. And we concentrate on on how Job had lost everything and his friends were blaming him and his wife was saying, you know, just curse God and die. But he was so right, such a righteous man. And there's a whole lot of stuff you can learn from there. But there are there are three chapters in the book of Job because Job's now complaining to God. How, oh God, I worshipped you when I was a righteous man and I did all this for you. What would you let this happen to me, God? <laughs> and God doesn't go, oh, Job, you're so righteous. You're so right. God gives, God rips him. Yeah. Right, because how how God says, okay, stand up, Be sit up. Man. And he says, sit up. I'm going to answer you. Answer me like a man. Yeah, answer me like a man. Let's chat. And God starts laying into him for three chapters. Where were you when I created all of the snowflakes and they're in a storeroom? Do you know where the storeroom is? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth and measured it out? Where were you when I told the the mighty wave, this is where you're going to stop and no more? Where were you when I when I make the clouds move across the earth and I tell them how to go and where to go and where to stop and where to and where to where were you when and he just keeps going? Yeah. Why don't you tell where's the where's that for the listeners? That's like thirty-eight. I think that's in that's in yeah in Job. verse in in uh, in the book of Job. Um, I'll I'll pull it out for you because I think it it's, is. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, yeah. It's the best thing that I've Brace that I've. Yourself like a man, and I will answer you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Come so on. let me. Let me so it. good. <laughs> um, he says here. This is chapter thirty-eight of of Job, um, and he says here. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Firstly, amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Like God knows how to set himself yeah, up, yeah, right? Yeah, he comes yeah. in with the drama yeah. and the That's theater. The entrance, He's amazing, mate. right? Thank you. Who is this? <laughs> this is God speaking. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. And then he starts. Yeah. Right? And I won't go through them all, but he basically goes, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched it out in the surveying line? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? And the morning stars sing together and all the angels shouted for joy. Where were you? <laughs> Who kept so the good. sea inside its boundaries and bur- as it burst f- through the womb? So let's carry down. I'll just go down a few verses. Now I'm reading. Um, verse 14, as the light approaches, the earth takes shape like a clay pressed beneath the seal. Um, he goes, have you explored the springs from where the sea comes from? 
Have you explored their depths? Yeah. Do you know where the gates of death are located? I do. Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Where does the darkness go? Can you teach me where their home is? I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how Joe. There's a couple of things in there, like you know how it says the. Um, what does it say about the springs? Uh, he says to him, um, "Have you explored the springs from which the seas come from? Yes, their depths." So you know that that was only found out last century. Yes, and <laughs> it was by a Christian guy who had read Job and yep. realized that there must be fresh water in the seas. Yes, and That's from fantastic. that we get modern navigation today. From you know, it's a big long story, Doing. but yeah. It's I created amazing. the channels for the for the for the rain and the rainfall. Can you direct the movements of the stars? Bind the, uh, okay, so he, he's, yeah, yeah. he's he's a beauty. Okay, he's Ryan, right. aren't you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's Irish. You know, Irish <laughs> or Ryan or Ryan. Yep. So he says in chapter thirty-eight, verse thirty-one. Can you direct the movements of the stars? Now understand that that back then, when this was written, three and a half thousand years ago, thereabouts, I think it's, from it's memory, known as the oldest one of the oldest one of the oldest books of the Bible, the Bible, if yeah. not the oldest. Uh, and God God is hitting him up. So there was scientific discovery. They knew how to navigate the stars. They saw the stars. I mean, they used them to, to move their ships around. However, they couldn't explain the stars. They had names for them, mm. but they couldn't explain them. For instance, can you uh, bind the clusters of, of Pallades or loosen the cords of Orion or loosen the belt of Orion, it says? Hang on a moment. What do you mean loosen the belt of Orion? We only found out about Orion, what we called Orion's belt. Only recent in, mon yeah. in modern terms and what that means. Late last century. Yes. And and Orion's belt, this is the beauty, it's a, it's a cluster of three stars. But the the most left of the stars is three separate stars, which we used to think was only one, but they're so close together that we thought it was only three stars. But the one on the left, so the first from the left, is actually three stars in itself and they're, they're pulling away from each other. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. loosening the belt of Orion. Yeah. Well, they didn't, they didn't know up until late last century that they were gravitationally linked. Yes. Okay. Um, binding the cluster of Pallades. Pallades is another massive star hurtling through space, and it's got with it, um, I think it's something like 73 planets running across. And he says, do you know how they move together? Do you know what it is? We've, again, we've only just discovered that yeah. they're, they're those yeah, they're, they're, type of particular gravitation, yeah. and they're hurtling through space without yeah. direction, right? Uh, seemingly. Um, and then he goes and says, um, or or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens. But the word bear is translated into Arcturus, which is another name for the massive sun, which is, I think, hundreds of times bigger than our sun. Yeah, wow. And it has, again, it's either in the 70s or, or 90s, 50s, somewhere there, uh, planets hurtling through space with it. However, they cannot find a gravitational pull or evidence of gravitational force between Arcturus and its what what it says here the cubs. How are you so can you guide Arcturus and her cubs across the heavens? Because there's no gravitational pull, we know this scientifically now. Mm -hmm. So why are these so-called cubs or planets following it mm. when it's not pushing them by, gravi by by gravity? And here's God telling Job can you do that? Because I'm doing that. I'm making that happen. Yeah, wow. These planets like, are following we don't, it. We don't know that as yet. We don't know. Wow. They only just discovered it, I think, back in the 70s, that there's, uh, there's this Arcturus, uh, but it, we saw it, but now we can see better, and they we're going, how are these planets following it? There's no evidence of, and, and by the way, one of the ways I know there's gravitational pull between planets and stars is because light bends. 
So when you see a black hole, like if you watched um, Interstellar, the movie with Matthew McConaughey, did you watch it? Yeah, I actually just watched it recently. Did you? Yeah, Incredible, yeah. right? Mind blown. Yeah, it is. So it's, many string theory yeah. stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I won't get into it now. But you notice that the black hole that he jumps into right at the end, yeah. how, how it's got that dome on the top and it looks like there's something bent, like a almost like a pizza light. Like yeah, a, like a sphere. Like a sphere. Half coming out from the – and then turning it back around, like almost like a sideways right rainbow, and then a, another rainbow on top, but it's all, all light. Well, that's what a black hole would look like if you were looking at it from a particular – like a sideways dimension. Yeah, right. But if you looked at it from another perspective, it would look like just a big donut with light traveling around it. So that's how they know because light refracts and bends around gravity. So when they look at Arcturus, they can't see the light refracting and bending – around between it and the planet. So they're thinking, hang on a moment. There's no seemingly no gravitational pull between these things. How is how is Job writing this? It's amazing. Three and a half thousand years ago. Yeah. God's, God's word, man. Unbelievable. It's and God's multiple word. things like that. Like if we were to then go into how is this not a finely tuned universe? How, how is it not? As mm. you sort of touched on a moment yeah. ago. It's finely tuned. We know this because of the over 200 variables, some of which are the strong and weak nuclear forces, the, the exact gravitational force, mm. um, the exact distance from the sun mm. and exactly where we are in order to not get hit by meteorites and, and actually be able to see the whole universe. Where, we've, where we are as a planet is a miracle. Mm. Not Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's the uh, anthropomorphic view. Yes, is that what it's called. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so there's, there's as a, if the Earth was created for man completely, literally. Yeah. And so, so you know, people ask me when I when I start speaking about this stuff. So, do you think there's, do you think there's um, life on other planets? I don't know. I highly doubt it. Mm. <laughs> and and so, why would God? Why would God create all of universe? Why would He create this whole universe if it was God and have us on a blue dot? Why would He do that? Because that's God. He is showing you who he is through his creation. We just read that. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that um, I was explaining to my son, Joshua, um, we were going through Genesis. Yes. And God takes a lot of detail in how he created the heavens and the earth and all that is. Yes, he does. Right? Yes. But when he created the stars, you know what it says? He created the stars also. (laughs) That's all it says. A <laughs> lot of detail in how yeah. he created the earth. You've just gone in- into like all this detail out yeah. there, and it just says in Genesis <laughs> he created the stars also. That's the best. Yeah, it's just. Oh, by the way, I thought by I'd the throw way. these in the in the sky, mate. Thank you. You know what I mean? This is our God, man. He's amazing. <laughs> I love how you said that. And by the way, he created the stars also. You know what? I don't want to leave a black out there. Boom! Here you Boom. go. There you go. He created the stars also, yeah. Scott. Yeah. I mean, honestly, mate. Yeah, like that—that's that's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so as I look through that, and we're we're about thirty-eight minutes in, so we'll we'll probably round this episode and and move on to another episode soon. Um, this is why it hits me more and more every time I read that scripture. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Mm, Amen. Which is why it takes a mind bend in order to believe that there is no God when you look at creation. Yeah. It takes a mind bend. You have to make a lot of assumptions and you have to make a lot of compensational 
and I'm talking just cognitively. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no faith stuff at all here. Yeah. So it says to what what that then what I would boil that down to is that evolution is a belief system as much as yeah Christianity it's is. a religion. It it's is a religion. Please yeah. understand that, listeners. If I can leave you with anything today, both of us, is that evolutionary thinking is a belief system. There is no evidence, no scientific backing, no scientific backing yeah. of the evolutionary theory. There is a, there is more backing for an intelligent designer. Ba- and based on what I've just read to you alone, let alone all the hundreds of other scriptures, that intelligent designer is yeah, the God of the Yeah, you've just gone off the top of your head. Top, top of my head. Yeah, I got no. Exactly. I'm not looking at notes. Yeah, this yeah, is just yeah. stuff that have that has been ingrained in us that we've talked about. That we've read and went, what? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so I think I think we need to, you know, I I would like to leave it there for now. Scott, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Because I think we need to go to the the next the next episode will be chapter twenty one onwards, mm-hmm. talking about what happens with man's wickedness. But I thought it would be, I thought today, if we could just get through this creation side that people understand God is evidenced in what he has done. 100%, mate. Don't feel like a fool that you believe in God. Believer, do not feel like a fool. Please go and study it. Go, go, to, go to places like um, uh, Cold Case Christianity. Look, look them up. No, he, he used to be a, a, a CIA or FBI investigator. Uh, got saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to Ken Ham's play. What's it called? Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. Google AnswersInGenesis.org. Listen to Watch them. Yeah, they're fa- fantastic, actually. Uh, unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. There's a Jason Isles, who's also an amazing scientist who talks about him. Google these guys and just, just them, just those three alone. Listen to them. Um <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a it's, lot of resources. There's a lot of resources. In, Frank uh, Turek. Um, yeah, Frank Turek, yeah. Right? There's quite a few of the answers in Genesis. What's that? Uh, cross-examined. Cross-examined, yeah. yeah. So let's recap them again before we close. There's cross-examined Frank Turek. There's answers in Genesis, the Ken Ham guys, but they're, they're amazing. Trust me. Yeah. Detailed to the max with scientific discoveries. Uh, there's Cold Case by Jim William Wallace, I think is his name. Um, all, all incredible. Yep. All incredible. And and I, and I mentioned Jason Isles, I think his name is. I can't remember his organization, but if you just Google him, you'll find his stuff as well. Very, very well explained. Awesome. Scott, anything else you want to say about that? No, nah, no. Nah, that's great, mate. That's fantastic. You're you're good with that? Yeah, you've given them some, something to think about. I fantastic. think there's something to think about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us on this episode. Uh, next episode, episode three, we will move on from this uh, or we'll continue on from this in verse 21 onwards. Have a brilliant, brilliant day. Wherever you're listening to this, please share this far and wide. We want to try and teach as many people as we can the incredibly beautiful and powerful word of God. Have a good, good day. <laughs>